Hey everyone, Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Hey, everybody. If you want to tell the world something or sell the world something, head on over to Squarespace because they're going to help you build the website of your dreams. Say you want to sell some custom merch. Well, you can set up your online store, whether you sell physical, digital, or service products. Squarespace has the tools you need to start selling online. So go to squarespace.com slash stuff right now and you will face a free trial. And when you get ready to launch, use our offer code stuff and then you'll save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. How could you go wrong with Squarespace? Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is a pretty mellow intro. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm Josh. That's Chuck. This makes stuff you should know. That's Jim Morrison. Yes, it was. That was The Doors, Riders on the Storm. We have Jim in the studio with us today. Yeah, hey, Jim. Did you ever see that uh, Gap ad where they showed Jim Morrison all fat and old? No. It was a while ago, like probably 10 years ago, they did some of these uh, 60s icons that passed away early as old people. Uh Uh-huh. And like really realistically. It was wow. pretty funny. Yeah. I don't recall that at all. Yeah. And I watched a lot of TV, or I used to. I think it was, it was a magazine ad, print ads. Oh, I read a lot of magazines. Yeah. Oh, uh, fair use alert, fair use alert. Um, so uh, Riders on the Storm yeah. was uh, released on the 1971 album L.A. Woman, sure. which we would imagine is available at a wide variety of retailers online <laughs> and at brick and mortar stores. Yeah. Great song. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of over a lot of the doors, but I like that song. Man. I go, it's like how I imagine a lot of people are with Zeppelin, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, I love Zeppelin. I'm in sixth grade. Um, and then it just kind of goes away. But then you get older and you're like, wow, they really were great. Yeah. That didn't happen to me with Zeppelin. I got over them after sixth grade. You know that. But the doors, that's happened to me. You're like, back into them again? Well, I mean, I just constantly am like in a state of coming in or out of really yeah, yeah. appreciating the doors. But for the most part, I... It's solidified. It's gelled. I love the doors. You know, if you want to keep that intact, do yourself a favor and don't ever read any of Jim Morrison's poetry books. I have. <laughs> I have. Have you ever heard American Prayer? It's like one of the coolest things anyone's ever made. I, I, I'm not a fan of his poetry. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, me. his songs were poetry. Riders on the Storm is a poem set to music. He's the Lizard King. Yeah. He, <laughs> he can do anything. That's right. Um. So, Chuck, have you heard of a guy named Roy Sullivan? Yeah. I remember him from a, being a kid. Do you really? Yeah, from the old Guinness Book Record. Uh huh. I must have skipped over his entry because I read those too. Mm-hmm. I remember when they'd come out and you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Oh, yeah, it'd it was, be like the Scholastic yeah. Book Fair, which amounted to a couple of like carts with books on them out right. in the hallway, <laughs> yeah. and some guy you didn't recognize standing uh-huh. there selling them. Um, I I missed that one, but let's tell everybody else. 
I haven't looked him up since then, but if I remember correctly, he had the record for being struck, right? Yeah. By lightning? Yeah. Uh, Roy Sullivan, he was a ranger, a park ranger at San- Shenandoah National Park. Okay. Okay. Um, and he died in 1983. And between 1940 and 1977, he was struck seven times. Struck by lightning seven Amazing. times. And actually, there's two of his ranger Stetson hats that he was wearing while yeah. he was struck that are in uh, the Guinness World Record, I guess, museums. And they have uh, like burned holes in them, right? Yeah. And well, he was just smiling. I remember seeing the picture. I can yeah. picture it in my head. He did not die of being struck by lightning. He died, uh, what, a full six years after the last time he was struck. Really? Yeah. From like plugging in something in his house and getting shocked. He's like stripped <laughs> on a banana peel. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, I guess I bring this up because we're talking about lightning and you brought up a really excellent point that his Stetson hat was burned, but this guy survived. Mm-hmm. Even though lightning is many, many, many times more powerful than, you know, a typical uh, industrial electrocution voltage. Sure. That will just typically kill anybody. Yeah. Lightning, frequently people survive. As a matter of fact, like two-thirds of people who are struck by lightning survive. Yeah. Between 90% and two-thirds, depending on who you ask. That's pretty good. So I am very excited about this one. (laughs) I'm so glad. I love natural phenomena. I do, too. I love earth sciences. I don't necessarily. I, I do because I get it. Once you get it, it's like geometry. Like, once you get geometry, you can't unget geometry, and all of a sudden, this whole segment of of the of nature just becomes clear to you. Well, I'm glad you're covering this side of the love because I don't have it. You don't? No, I mean I think it's neat enough, but I, I'm not I'm not as into the, uh, the the earth sciences. At the very least, the pictures in this article are really really awesome. Yeah. Did you get to see some of them? Oh, I sure. mean, those are pretty. They're very pretty. It's black and white, and that's still worth looking at. Look at all those leaders. If you want to go, <laughs> if you want to go to the website howstuffworks.com and type in lightning, it will bring up a lot of these pictures, but in color. Yeah. We just don't print in color here. Um, save, I save do occasionally, money. but yeah. Do you? If it's something that I think should be in color. I like to preserve cyan. <laughs> Good for you. All right, so Chuck, let's talk lightning, shall we? Sure. You got your Statman role. Did you read that one thing, the NASA article? There's some stats in there that I thought you'd just have a bonanza with. I didn't get to it. Oh, buddy. All right, I'll play the Statman role then. Okay. Because there, there were some good stats in there. Do you want me to start out with a few? Sure. Chuck. I got a few too. Between let's tag team it. between uh, this one study of lightning strikes between 1959 and 1994, found that let's see, 9,818 people were struck by lightning in that time. Wow. 3,239 died. 20% died immediately. Like it was like you were just struck by lightning, you're over. Yeah. Um, that that's got to be like a direct strike, right? All of them are direct strikes. Oh, really? As far as I understand, yes. These okay. were all direct strikes. Like, you can be struck directly like uh, um, Ranger Roy. Yeah, yeah. And he survived. Um, men are four times likelier than women to be struck by lightning. Okay. Um, the two-thirds of lightning casualties occur between 12 p.m. and 4 p.m. with the maximum at 4 p.m. Yes. Uh, most of most lightning casualties happen on a Sunday or with and Wednesday is the second most frequent day. And then July is the peak month. Florida is the state that has the most reported lightning strikes for people. So 
if it's 4 p.m. on a Wednesday mm-hmm. in July and you're in Florida and you're a man holding like a golf club, <laughs> yeah, kiss your butt goodbye. <laughs> the good Lord would never stop the best game of golf exactly. I've ever played. Yeah. I think uh, I remember in a different podcast we talked about the 4th of July actually being the number one day. I think I remember that as well. And I think that's part and parcel to the fact that July is the biggest month and there are way more people outside recreating near bodies of water <laughs> recreating. Uh, on the 4th of July, which, you know, water, of course, could help. Yeah. I, I knew this dude um, who pub- who actually printed the the alternative paper that I, I helped found, uh-huh. and uh, he would say that he was vacating. We're going to vacate for two weeks, me and the family. Oh, really? Going down to Disney World to vacate. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, the only little cool factoids I have are uh, lightning is not necessarily always white or whitish yellow. It yeah. has to do with the background that oh, you're really? looking at. Yeah. I didn't know that. And that lightning is only an inch wide. Yeah, I saw it was uh, one to two inches in diameter. Crazy. Yeah, that's it. And it's hot, six fifty four thousand degrees or six times hotter than the surface of the sun. I saw 60,000. Yeah, I'd say that's in the same range. That's close. Sure. I mean, uh, that's 6,000 6, degrees. degrees. <laughs> that's not much when you're up that high. Yeah, it'll fry an egg for sure. All right. Um, so you, you say that there are some cool factoids associated with lightning. Sure. I say that lightning as a whole is one cool factoid. Agreed. Made up of smaller component factoids. Agreed. Yeah. And also, I'm sure somebody's going to be like, you guys used the word factoid wrong, but we will decimate that person. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Do we need to start with with clouds since we've covered that so thoroughly? I feel like we do because with this process of cloud formation, it is part and parcel with lightning formation. They think. We should really point out here, man, that it's not just this article. It's not just how stuff works that says that scientists aren't really sure how all this happens. Yeah. Um, NASA says so. The, uh, the, um, oh, what's the, what's the National Laboratory? It begins with the A. Man. <laughs> well, anyway, one of the National Laboratories says so that I read uh-huh. about. Um, so basically, we don't fully understand how lightning forms, but well, we it's invisible. Some, we have some good guesses. It occurs within the, a second. So it's like it's not the easiest thing in the world to study. No, it's really not. You know, if you think but about it. We can recreate it, which is pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, um, but yes, let's start with precipitation in the water cycle, right? Okay. You've got um, water, say, here on the Earth's surface. Um, when heat is transferred from the, the environment, mm-hmm. remember, heat always goes from something that's warm to something that's cold. That's how heat transfer occurs. Yeah. Something doesn't lose its cold, it gains heat, right? That's right. Um, so when that happens... Water can vaporize and rise up into the atmosphere. That's evaporation. Yep. And once it reaches a certain point, it's going to lose its heat to the external environment, it cool down. Chilly. It's going to turn back into water. It's going to fall back down to the ground in the form of precipitation. That's condensation, right? Yeah. So it's either going to get slightly chilly and be rain, or it's going to get really chilly and be snow or freezing rain. Right. So if you get enough water vapor going up and you get enough um, condensation starting to come down, and they start knocking into each other. This is what scientists think. Um, they can start knocking electrons from one another. Yeah. Right? The electrons are going to keep going down. They're going to um, stay, say, as a cloud forms. They're going to they're going to s- accumulate around the bo- the bottom of the cloud. Yeah, like a little uh-uh. a little puffy cloud 
couch there that at the bottom of the cloud. They're just all tucked they in. They just settle in and nestle down. And then th- for for just for this um, example's sake, think of positively charged particles, the ones that are now missing their electrons. Yeah. Um, are just lighter, so they're going to accumulate at the top. Yeah, but they're contained in the cloud. Right, so at the top of the cloud, you have all these positively charged particles. At the bottom, you have negatively charged particles, electrons, and all of a sudden, you have what's called an electric field. Yeah, charge separation, which uh, can do some funky stuff. Well, that's how batteries work. Yeah. Um, Because, Chuck, as you'll remember, nature loves homeostasis, right? Yeah, if if these things are separate... They just want to bring them back together. Exactly. Electrons love to flow toward the direction of positively charged particles to neutralize it. Yeah. And that's an electric charge. It's el- Electricity is just an electron flow. Okay? So you have a cloud that's suddenly like a battery. A big honking battery. Yeah. And um, as, this, as this, uh, this charge separation becomes more and more charged, like the, there's more and more positive particles, more and more negative particles. Yeah. It actually, as these negative particles are, are the electrons are accumulating at the bottom of the cloud, they the charge can become so great that here on the Earth's surface, dude, it actually presses the electrons down into the Earth. Yeah, and it's they so hard them. to imagine this, but it it happens when you're walking around out there during a thunderstorm. Yeah, like it is being pushed below your feet, leaving the ground positively charged yes. and ready to join their little buddies. Yep. Up there in the clouds. So you have this layer of electrons, and now you have two, basically two electric fields. It can either go up yeah. within the cloud, or it can go down to the ground. Yeah, that's a common, like, that was my first question was, if these electrons within the cloud are separated, why are they going all the way down to Earth? Why don't they just, you know, have lightning inside the cloud? And the answer is, well, that happens all the time. Yeah. That's the most common form of lightning uh, is when... The electrons form lightning within its little fluffy buddy there. It's like cloud to cloud or intra cloud lightning? Intra cloud yeah. is within the same cloud. Yeah. And tur is between two clouds. Okay. Yeah. But it's t- it still falls in the cloud to cloud category. Yeah. So I think there's two main divisions cloud, cloud to cloud. cloud and cloud to ground. Yeah. And then ground to cloud is also ground to cloud still. Sure. But it's not because it's going f- between the ground and cloud or between a cloud and itself or another cloud. Yeah, I like a little cloud on cloud action. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you have this, um, you have the Earth suddenly taking on a positive charge on its surface. You have a strong negative charge at the bottom of the, um, at the bottom of the cloud. Yeah. And you have nature going like, what's to do? This is terrible. Like there's an electrical potential here and it's making me nervous. Like something has to change. So something does change. There's this process called the ionization of air. And it's basically turning air into uh, what's called plasma Yeah. by ripping it apart, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I like to call it ionic separation. I've coined that term. Nice. I don't know if it's uh, what anyone else in science calls it. But basically, the air around the cloud uh, breaks down. So uh, the electric field is really strong. It separates the ions. Mm-hmm. Now they can move a lot more freely and can conduct a lot more electricity. Well, in yeah, the end. it takes regular air, like the stuff we're breathing now, and it, the, it separates the electrons from the positive ions. Yeah, but not they're still within the same area. They're not like completely separate. Right. It's not like a 
it's not like um opening the curtains with two hands. Right. But it is kind of in a certain way. With these free electrons, it makes this little bit of air that that's been ionized yeah. much more conductive, like you said. Yeah. Plasma. Okay. So these things this happens in little like fifty yard jolts. And they call those step leaders. Each little each little rip, each little separation yeah. of or creation of plasma creates a channel in the air that is very conductive, way more conductive than the surrounding air. Mm-hmm. And it happens in little fifty yard branches. Yeah, and they don't have to go straight down. They they're basically looking they're looking to get to the ground with the path of least resistance. Right. So if you see this, Discovery had a show. Did you see that on on YouTube? Huh. The uh oh, what was it called? Uh, Raging Planet. Discovery had a show called Raging Planet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And for the first time, they filmed a lightning strike in the super Mm slow-mo. So when you see this, like, with your naked eye, I mean, it all happens in a blip, and you just see a lightning strike. But when you see it slowed down, you see the lightning working its way down in little Mm -hmm. 50-yard bits Mm -hmm. and fracturing off to the left and to the right and basically, like, disappearing again because it didn't find its way all the way to the ground. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it would just go like to oh, the yeah. left and then disappear, yeah. and then it would go down, and then it would go to the right and disappear. And right. Because really cool. these channels that, that form, basically you have a bunch of these step leaders coming down, and uh, whichever reaches the ground first wins, but just because one reached the ground doesn't mean the other ones automatically disappear. Yeah. So that flow of electrons is going to fill up all of the associated um, ion channels. Yeah, the these paths that it's created. Right. Sure. Um with this flow of electrons, right? So um, before that happens, though, you've got these step leaders coming down from the clouds. You also have something called um, positive leaders, right? It's positive streamers, I'm sorry. Yeah. You also have positive streamers coming up from the ground. So yes. a positive streamer is a, uh, or a step leader is a, a plasma channel mm-hmm. forming in the direction of the flow of electrons. A positive streamer is a plasma channel forming in the opposite direction of the flow of electrons. So it's yeah. kind of stretching up. And it could come from the ground. It could come from your head. It could come from a tree yeah. or that golf club you're holding. And they've captured these in photographic form. And it's the same thing. It looks like you know, a little purplish bolt of lightning coming up from the ground right. trying to join up with its buddy that's coming down from the sky. Yeah, and like you said, like it can come from you. The reason your hair lifts up when you're in like an electrical storm, yeah. you just become a positive uh, streamer, which is not good. It sounds nice. It does, <laughs> and you're glowing a little purplish, yeah. but you're in big trouble if it connects with you. Yeah, and it's the same concept if you've ever uh, shocked yourself on a doorknob. It's the same thing. The closer you're, once you've built up that energy, the hand gets closer to the metal mm-hmm. and it leaps out from your finger and out from the doorknob and you know you've got lightning okay so i mean we're we're drawing this out like i'm about to hyperventilate <laughs> i'm so excited finally at, at one point you have a step leader and like you said it's taken the path of least resistance right yeah. so it's not going to come straight down largely because the shape of the cloud is not equal or is not totally flat yeah particles in the air can get in the way all exactly. kinds of stuff right so um they're coming down in little branches that branch off some lead nowhere eventually one comes down and a step leader connects with a positive streamer mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you have a full uninterrupted path for these electrons to flow and boy do they flow <laughs> what you have is lightning, right? That's right. You have a sudden current exchange from the cloud down to the earth and then from the earth back up to the cloud. Because the lightning strike isn't just from the cloud to the ground. It goes 
down and then back up immediately. Yeah, well, it's and it's on the return? back up. Yeah, a return uh, stroke. Yes, a return stroke. Yeah. Thank you. And on the way back up, that's when you see the light. Literally. So lightning is we we don't actually see the electron flow. We see the local effects of the electron flow. And um, the this electron flow produces a tremendous amount of heat energy. What did you say? It was like hotter than the surface of the sun. Right? Yeah, six times hotter. So that's that's what you're seeing right there. Okay, is an explosion of heat. Right, and then that heat actually explodes the air around it, and that produces thunder. Yeah, um, the way I understood it was the channel, the the ionized plasma channel that's created when it goes away. The air collapsing back in on itself is what creates that sound, that sound wave. Is that right? What I heard was that it's actually exploding outward and it's compressing the air, basically exploding the air around it. That converts into a shock wave in the form of sound that travels outward. That's how I understood it. Well, maybe it collapses in and explodes out. So <laughs> that's very um, that's very democratic of you. Uh, and then one more thing about thunder, Chuck. Get this. There's three segments to the sound of thunder. Did you know that? I thought Pink Floyd said there was like four. Did, really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Because I remember Delicate Sound of Thunder, but yeah. I don't remember four parts. No, I was joking. Okay. So there's the first part. Um, if, I mean, think about it. Think about when you've ever heard thunder. It's like a... There's like a few sounds to it, right? Sure. So the first part is actually um, caused by the step leaders, right? That's a tearing sound. Yeah. The second, a cracking sound, is actually caused... By the positive streamers. Right. And then the third part is the explosion of the air blowing up. But what you're hearing in those first two parts is literally the air ripping open. Isn't that crazy? Yep. And if you are out in the country, you might be able to hear that as far away as 15 miles. Yeah. If you're in the city, maybe about five miles. You'll be able to hear that thunder. And it is true that you can divide by five, and that is roughly how far away your lightning is from you. That's true. Counting from the point the lightning strikes till you hear the thunder, mm-hmm. divide that amount of seconds by five. Ten seconds, it's two miles away. Is that How does that rule of thumb work? I mean, don't storms travel faster? Well, no, I think it has nothing to do with how fast they're traveling. It's um, the speed of light versus the speed of sound. Oh, yeah, because the speed of light, Travels at the speed of light. Travel the speed of sound is far, far slower, which is why the sound of thunder lags the the um, flash of lightning so much. You just explained it to yourself. Thank you. Thanks, self. So. No problem, Joe. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts season two of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull. 
more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. I think it's time for lightning myth number one. Whoa. Did you hear that? That was a good sound effect. Way to go, Jerry. (laughs) All right. Lightning myth number one. Once again, the tallest objects in a storm uh, don't always get struck by lightning. Uh, It would make sense that lightning, if you know, if it's going to be reaching something that's sticking up from the ground Mm -hmm. in the way of a positive streamer, that the tallest thing will always be that thing. And that is not the case because you can never really predict the path of lightning. No. It might strike the ground right next to the tallest thing. It might also, yes, because the, the that path of least resistance, whether it's dust or, or the curvature of the earth or whatever, that's, yeah, you can't predict where it's going to go. And even more than that, once the lightning is struck, yeah. it may jump. Oh, yeah. That is a property of lightning. It mm-hmm. may jump to something that has an even even lesser path of resistance. That's right. Um, and that could be you. So it, it could strike a tree that you're standing by and you could be like, woo, and then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, I guess. What? Way to bust that myth. Dude. Oh, thank you. Um, okay. I think since you um, brought that up, we might as well talk about um, the fact that when you see lightning and you see it in the clouds and then down on the ground and then flickering in the clouds afterward and remnants branching off, that's like maybe 40 or 50 lightning strikes you're seeing all at once. Right. It's pretty so cool. The whole idea that lightning doesn't strike the same place twice. It's every time it strikes it twice. It strikes it like like you said 40 50 <laughs> yeah. times. Um yeah, it's this that that electron flow the back and forth between the ground and the earth in this um which neutralizes the electrical charge. It's not just one stroke, it's 40 or 50. Yeah, and that's what you're more likely to see even unless you just happen to be looking in the field of view yeah. of that original blast. Right. That's why it's so tough to capture, like, uh, the Discovery Channel guy on Raging Planet was, he, like, sits in a room with his little camera. And I would just let the camera run. I don't know why he sat there with his finger on the button. <laughs> I was like, dude, just press record and walk away. Right. But, uh, I no, guess. No, he's a purist. Well, I think maybe because it's such a high-speed camera. Plus, also, Hipstomatic doesn't have a video function. <laughs> but he likened it to fishing. He said, it's a little like fishing. Huh. I was like, wow. Did he say it like that, like a jerk? <laughs> yeah, he was a little bored. But he got it. You know, it was all worth it in the end. Yeah, that's what counts. Okay, Josh, I think it's time to talk about various types of lightning. Yeah, so we talked about um, ground to or cloud to ground under an umbrella under which ground to cloud falls. Sure. Um, and there's there the another way to put it is uh, that's triggered or artificial and natural. Natural is when it comes down from the cloud to the ground. Yeah. Um, triggered or artificial is when some sort of man-made structure, say a skyscraper, mm-hmm. initiates this lightning. So it's sending up a positive streamer like, hey, man, come on, let's do this. Right. And the cloud's like, oh, okay. And then it comes down. <laughs> rather, than, rather than the cloud pressing down the electrons, I think, right. on the Earth's surface and then just hitting a cow. Because what's more natural than lightning striking a cow? That's right. <laughs> Instant prime rib. Yeah. Um Types of lightning, normal lightning, which uh, pretty much is what we've been talking about. Sheet lightning is reflected in the clouds, and I guess that would fall under intra and inter-cloud lightning. I would think so. Uh, heat lightning is my favorite because that reminds me of growing up, 
going to Florida and swimming at my cousin's house. Mm-hmm. And heat lightning is basically lightning that's so far away you can't hear the thunder. Right. And it's hot enough. The reason they call it heat lightning yeah. um, is because it's hot enough that it's being reflected a tremendous distance by this higher temperature atmosphere. It's a comforting lightning, though. It is. It's you don't feel often threatened. reddish. Uh-huh. Yeah. And during the summer months. Yeah. Um, ball lightning, which we have talked about before. We weren't entirely certain back then that it actually existed, but I think since we've mentioned it. Oh, really? Is it super proven? It, that we've figured out that it can exist, but no one understands it. Yeah, that's the phenomenon where, like, you will see a ball of lightning going through your house, correct? Yes. Remember, it was, uh, like one of the, some listener wrote, wrote in about it. Yeah. Uh, was it like the um, spontaneous combustion? It might have been. I don't know that I've ever seen it captured though on film or anything. Has it been? Yes, it's been recreated. Oh, okay, that's. Right. I don't think it's been. Na- someone hasn't caught the natural right. version of it, but yeah. So the, we've proven it can exist. Um, but yeah, it'll, it'll burn you, and then it'll blow up. It's really dangerous, scary, <laughs> crazy lightning that no one gets. Josh, is it time for lightning myth number two? Sounds like it. Uh, number two, and this is something I learned today. A surge protector will not save your computer and your television from a lightning strike. I thought that's what they were for. Yeah. Apparently they're only for, uh, they can only um, save your computer or TV if it's uh, something that the power company has surged. Right, it's a surge from your electrical supply. So... What you need is something called a, uh, what's it called? A lightning, lightning arrestor. Yeah. Ching, ching. And I've seen that. Um, and they're relatively inexpensive. And it's filled up with a gas that <laughs> basically diffuses. Well, I mean, it was like 30 bucks. Oh, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. I thought you were going to be like compared to a new Volvo. Well, that's what I thought. A lightning arrestor sounded, and it was filled with gas that diffuses the charge. <laughs> I thought it'd be like 10,000 bucks. Yeah. But no. Even lightning with gas prices two. today. That's right. Um, so we talked about types of lightning. We should probably talk about lightning rods at some point, like maybe now. So do you know Ben Franklin actually invented these things? And I went and double-checked. Yeah. Like I was like, this sounds like four-year-old textbook stuff. Yeah, but it's true, isn't it? And I, I also remembered, oh, wait, like his kite experiment, he ripped off a couple of Frenchmen. I went and checked that out. And no, actually, he Franklin had conducted some sort of experiments and possibly proposed a kite experiment. Oh, yeah. And these Frenchmen, he published his results in the, the early 1750s, and a couple of Frenchmen um, like carried them out. Oh. So the Frenchmen actually did did do this. Um, but Ben Franklin did develop lightning rods as early as like the 1740s, I believe. But he did churches. have a kite key experiment, right? He did. Okay. I don't know if he, it's not 100% certain that he actually carried out the, gotcha. the key on the kite experiment or just said, you know, this theoretically could work. It's a thought experiment. Don't be so stupid to go do this. Well, let's call that lightning myth number three. Okay. And here's some retroactive lightning for that one and thunder. Whoa. <laughs> All right, but he did uh, develop the lightning rod, and basically a lightning rod is a metal rod mm-hmm. on the roof of a building. Mm-hmm that is attached to a metal wire that runs into the ground. And its its job is to either divert that direct lightning strike into the ground and diffuse it quickly, or if it's jumping around, to collect that and diffuse it so it doesn't cause like super 
lots of damage to the Chrysler building. Right. But it doesn't attract lightning. It's, no. It says, hey, lightning, I, I got a positive streamer, and I'm not going to resist you at all. Just take me. And um, the lightning will be like, hey, you look pretty good. Yeah. And um, there you go. But it doesn't attract lightning. And I know the article <laughs> says that's nitpicking, but it's really not. No. There's it's a not big difference between lightning. offering a, a good path of least resistance sure. to lightning and attracting it. Yeah, because the, the, whoever wrote this article, who was this? Do you know? uh, I don't. I'd, I'd never. I didn't recognize the name. I think it's an old article. Uh, basically, said the lightning's going to be happening anyway. Yeah. So it's not like it's going to cause lightning to strike there. So that made so, that made a lot of sense. Uh, they also made a pretty good point that um, because lightning rods conduct electricity so well, that makes them they're not going to be singed or burned or whatever. The, it's when you resist that lightning oh. burns you. Right. So, like, if lightning strikes the wood, like the wood of a house, mm-hmm. um, then it, the wood's not a very good conductor, which means it's going to be a high amount of burn and heat damage. Right. Because the resistance produces this heat energy. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Huh. Um. What else do we have? Do we have another lightning myth? Man, they are just coming hard and fast these days. Well, we saved them. All right, lightning myth number four. Uh, the Faraday cage, right? Yeah. So um, you are in a car. Yeah. And it's a lightning storm. You've actually sought shelter in a car. That's good a move. Good move. Yeah. And most people think that's because the tires on the car are touching the ground and they're rubber. Yeah. And they're a good insulator. Not true. In a lightning storm, rubber actually becomes pretty conductive. Yeah. When, especially when it's struck by lightning. Yeah. But if your car is struck by lightning, you should be fairly protected because of this thing called the Faraday cage, named after Michael Faraday, the early electrical genius from, I think, the 18th century. Yeah, I think he's the one that first described what an electrical field is, period. Yeah, he was just a very smart guy. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he didn't die of electrocution yeah. is really something. That means he's super smart. But he realized that if you if you put something in a metal cage and apply an electrical charge current to the cage, mm-hmm. what's inside the cage will be fine yeah. because electricity passes the, uh, along the outside of the metal cage. The Faraday cage, yeah. well, engineers incorporate that into automobile design. So it's a pretty good place to seek shelter. Yeah, you don't want to be laying naked on the hood of your car. No. But being inside your car would be would be a pretty good place to be. Uh, yeah. Just uh, It has nothing to do with your tires, so don't be a dummy. And I guess that's our first tip, if we're going to give some lightning tips. If you are out, uh, out and about, yeah. and if you're driving around Kansas, I don't know why, God forbid, you would be doing anything like that. <laughs> But um, stay in your car or get in your car. Yeah. If you don't have a car, don't go under a tree. Don't go climb the flagpole. Right. <laughs> uh, they say to put your feet close together and crouch down to the ground. Yes, but keep your head as low to the ground as you can get it mm-hmm. w- without touching the ground. Do not do, don't let anything but the bottom of your shoes touch the ground. Yeah. Because when lightning strikes, it sends a, an electrical current across the ground as well, right? Yeah. So if your head happens to be touching, all of a sudden you've just had a stroke or some sort of neurological damage because yeah. you just got struck by lightning. Cardiac arrest at the very least. Yeah. Um, but it, and also if you are crouched down, you're providing less of a, a chance to create a positive streamer with your body. Right. So you want to find shelter, and if you can't find shelter, you want to crouch down, keep your head low, and but not touching the ground. Right. And also there's a study in Japan, Chuck, that found that um, once you hear thunder, mm-hmm. there is 
no safe interval where you're not vulnerable to a direct lightning strike. By the time you hear thunder, it's, it's already there. Yeah, it's already too late. You could be struck by lightning at any second. So there's no warning sound then? No. Hmm. No. That's and you also want to get out of pools because they are really good at, at conducting electricity. Yeah, don't stand around in water. No. Nope. It's not a good idea. No. Um, stay off the telephone. If you still have a telephone that's plugged into a cord on a wall. Yeah. If then... you buy things that have the As Seen on TV label, yeah. stay off the phone. <laughs> means you're also in Kansas, too, interestingly. Um, And they say, you know, stay out of the bathtub, A, because it's got water, but uh, one of the other reasons, if you're in an older house, um, your plumbing pipes are going to be pretty good conductors and attractors of that electricity. Right. But your newer house, probably PVC. Right, exactly. Or if you didn't skimp when you redid your house, you might have paid for copper. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You you really want to remember... Or you should just be like, let's just not take a bath or a shower while there's a lightning storm. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Altoids because, let's face it, unraveling the mysteries of the universe is tough work. But with Altoids, your breath will be stronger than a black hole's gravitational pull, more intense than an alien abduction, and more reliable than your phone's battery during a podcast marathon. When it comes to needing intense freshness, Altoids have you covered. Altoids are stronger than your favorite conspiracy theory, more intense than the latest true crime docuseries, and more reliable than a Bigfoot sighting. They're not just mints, they're curiously strong mints. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today. Um, and then uh, I guess, is that it for the lightning myths too? Um, I think so. I have uh, no more little factoids on my sheet either. I've got one. All right, let's hear it. Uh, caronopathy. Caronopathy. Okay. It's the uh, study of lightning's effects on the human body, the study of the pathology of lightning. Oh, is this the NASA thing? It was mentioned in there, yeah. Okay. Isn't that cool, though? Like, talk about a specialized field. Like, not not the effects of electricity on the human body, yeah. the effects of lightning striking the human body. Did they study people like uh, Sullivan? I imagine he was. He saw a caronopathist or two. I bet you, like, he had to be- have become more susceptible, right? Like, is, is that possible? I don't know. I, that could be a lightning myth that we might not dispel at this time. I mean, I would think if the guy got... I mean, granted, he was a park ranger, so he's out there at least. You mentioned a Stetson hat having a burn. Mm -hmm. So despite the fact that like lightning um, is six times hotter than the sun, produces heat six times hotter than the sun, heats the air to like 18,000 degrees, causing it to explode, it can still hit a human. And the only burn wounds typically are at the point of entry and the point of exit. How does it not kill people all the time? I don't know. The one... 
thing that they say is possible, um, the one possible explanation is that it happens so fast mm-hmm. that it it doesn't have the same amount of time that a um, like an industrial electrocution has. Interesting. And remember the hysterical strength thing? Do you want to tell them why people are thrown with electricity? Uh, what was it? Oh, that's right. It's it's not the actual blast. It's the surge of adrenaline is so great that you have this superhuman strength and sort of leap back from it. Yeah, right? your muscles contract so hard and so fast yeah. that you throw yourself. Yeah, that's crazy. With lightning, I don't think that's true. I think the shockwave can actually throw you. You know, my grandfather, uh, that eventually led to his death. He was an electrician. Oh, yeah? I think I might have told the story. And he, he was at the top of a thing and used to test electricity with the back of your hand so it doesn't latch on. Oh, yeah. And uh, it popped him out. He hit a live wire and it knocked him out of a, a telephone pole and he landed on his head. Oh, man. And he was like bedridden for the rest of his life. And oh, man. Died, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. That was uh, Granddaddy Bryant. I was a little kid. I mean, he died when I was like six. So gotcha. all I ever knew of him was he was kind of this big scary guy in a hospital bed. Gotcha. Yeah. Who gave you candy? Yeah, candy and like buffalo nickels. <laughs> uh, well, okay, uh, that was a bummer way to end this one. Yeah. Um, let's see. You got any other terrible stories? No. Okay. Uh, well, then let's go to listener mail. Oh wait. Uh, first, I, I didn't even say how stuff works. What is wrong with me? If you want to see some very pretty lightning pictures um, and read more about lightning, uh, you can just type that in. This is like a. a seminal article for how stuff works yeah it's like bread and butter stuff lightning search bar howstuffworks.com now it's time for listener mail josh i'm gonna call this uh email i just received you know 10 minutes ago oh okay hot off the presses wow uh guys and jerry have been wanting to write for ages and now i actually have things to say i've been listening to the podcast for years and i probably listen to 99 percent of them i never listened to the few in the beginning before you two teamed up Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, I learned so much from them. Uh, your podcast is the reason I survived mowing lawns for a summer without my brain becoming mush from the endless walking back and forth. Uh, what I really want to write and say, though, is thanks for helping me get into my college. Uh, my main essay for applying to colleges was about your podcast. I entitled it Healthcare to Zoot Suits, and I talked all about the things I'd learned from your podcast, hoping it would show the colleges um, that I was curious well-rounded, and had a thirst for knowledge. Nice. Uh, apparently it worked because I was accepted to several colleges, and I will be a freshman at St. Olaf College next year, uh, next fall. I don't know if they have a team. St. Olaf, they're like the fighting roses from Golden Girls. Really? That's where Rose from Golden Girls is from, St. Olaf. Really? Yeah. I didn't watch Golden Girls. What? I, had, I don't know. It didn't. It's not too late. It's still on Lifetime every day as far as I know. Really? All right, so uh, Aaron M. from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, congratulations for getting into St. Olaf College. She says thanks for the inspiration. That is awesome. And uh, good luck at, in college. It's going to be great. It only gets better from uh, from there, in my opinion. Yeah. Life aging. Agreed. But then it starts to go down. <laughs> but that'll be a while. <laughs> I thought that was like 50 when that happened. Uh, yeah, well, we'll see. Okay, so uh, congratulations, Aaron. Um if you are someone who has used us to further your own agenda, say like getting into college or getting a date or whatever, we want to hear that kind of story. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. 
You can uh, join us on Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. And you can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.